All right, good morning, everyone. Glad to see everyone this morning. Um, for those that don't know, uh, my name is uh, Boat Newman. I'm the pastor of discipleship here at Ridgeview, and um, we'll just be the one preaching this morning, I guess. Uh, today, we're actually going to continue on Matthew, in Matthew 6. So if you want to take your Bibles and turn Matthew 6, uh, we're going to do verses 25 through 30. Um, and as you're turning there, I just want to thank uh, everybody a few weeks ago. Um, yes, presented Mike and I with some uh, cards for past appreciation. Just super, super thankful, very thankful for this church. Uh, for uh, man, it's getting pretty close to 10 years that my family has been here. We're just super thankful for you guys. And um, so I, I am working on thank you cards, so you'll get those eventually. But uh, I'm also working on my thank you cards for my high school graduation still. So um, we'll see when you get them. But um, again, just super, super, super thankful. Uh, for this church and uh, for, yeah, just being our family in many ways. So uh, let me read Matthew 6, uh, 25 through 30. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is sown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Let's pray. Father, you are a gracious and giving God. You are a God who creates, uh, a God who sustains. Father, I, and, and we are praying to a sustaining God. And I, I, I pray as life throws many uh, difficulties and challenges and pitfalls and struggles and, and fears and times of emptiness and sadness at its father, may we learn to not worry. May we learn not to be anxious, but Father, through the words of Christ here from the Sermon on the Mount, may we learn to be trusting, to be faithful in you, Father. Speak to us today. Speak through your word. Speak through your spirit. Help me to teach these truths, and may eyes and hearts be opened to them. Father, we pray things in your name. Amen. Okay, so we're getting really, really close to uh, Thanksgiving, believe it or not. It's coming up very quickly. And uh, my in-laws live in Omaha, and so we have uh, a few different times gone to Omaha for Thanksgiving. Uh, always been a really, really good time. But there's also something else really, really fun that I get to do when we do that, and that is go to Black Friday sales, right? And so I don't know if you guys know this, but Shatter, in Shatter, there actually is like Black Friday, right? You guys know what I mean by Black Friday or the day after Thanksgiving where a lot of stuff is sold cheap and people will just go and try to get there early and try to get stuff, right? And so you can actually do that in Shatter and you can go to a few of the stores and it's pretty calm and chill. Um, as you guys probably know, it's not that way in big cities, it is not calm and chill, and it actually doesn't even start on Friday. It starts on like Thursday night at like seven o'clock, 
right? It used to be, it used to be, it started Friday, you know, eight o'clock when the stores open, and then it became Friday, you know, at midnight. Everyone wait at midnight. Now they just plan all just do it on Thanksgiving, uh, and just do, and just and just do it that day. But uh, as you guys can imagine, it's very crazy. It's very hectic, and you may ask uh, why I go. And the reason I go is really the same reason you go to a zoo, right? Just to kind of see the wildlife at work, right? Just to see the craziness of it. And I, I bring that up because I think we have this tendency of looking at situations like that where people are just going crazy over stuff, where people are going crazy over money. We look at that and we go, man, those people, they just don't get it. They just don't get it. They just have to get the deal. They just have to um, have the right thing have, for the right price, have the right amount of money. And they're so worried about this and money is, is, is uh, running their life. And up so far in, in this chapter in Matthew, Jesus has talked many times uh, for the last few weeks we've been, we've been um, teaching on it, this concept of money as your treasure, as earthly materials as your treasure uh, to the point of it being what you serve, right? The, the last uh, verse that was said uh, was this, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And that is a challenge. It is a struggle. Money is, is a big struggle in, in our life. Um, but I think a lot of times we can look at that and go say, yeah, I get that. I get that, right? And uh, man, thankfully, I don't struggle like these rich people do or like these people that, that feel like they have to have a lot of things. They feel like they have to have the nice car, or the nice house. Or man, I'm thankful that I don't struggle with that. And just in case that is where you are at, Thankfully, Jesus does not stop there. Jesus, at the beginning of this passage, presents this really, really big therefore. And that therefore is to begin what is the conclusion of Jesus' teaching on our treasures, what we treasure on earth, right? What we value on earth. This is the conclusion he has come to after talking about these concepts of not treasuring things on earth above the things in heaven and not making money uh, your, your God, making money your master. He ends and he concludes with this phrase. He says this, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you will put on. And so just in case you were worried that, or that, or sorry, just in case you thought that you were in the clear because you don't worry about having a nice car, you don't worry about having a nice house, Jesus goes even further and he goes away from our wants and he talks about our needs. He even says the word life right there, right? He says, do not be anxious, or you translation may say, do not worry. Do not worry about your life. And that might make you pause a little bit, right? Because the thing about life is, is you kind of need it to live. And so if I'm going to worry about anything, that's what I should probably worry about, is life itself. And in case we were worried about what he was talking about, he goes on and says, food, what you drink, uh, wa you know, water, what, what, what you drink, food, what you eat, and what you wear. And again, don't know if you're aware of this, you have to have those things. 
Your life doesn't last very long if you don't have food and you don't have water and if you don't have shelter. And so Jesus is doing something here that he's really been doing this entire Sermon on the Mount. He's kind of trying to flip uh, the way we look at life on, our, on its head. Uh, he's kind of trying to turn that. We, we started in, in the Beatitudes where uh, Jesus says many things, including is the poor in spirit uh, who have the kingdom of heaven. It is those who mourn who will be comforted, right? He's twisting things on their head. Then he says things like, you've been told, do not murder. I'm telling you, don't even be angry, right? He's kind of flipping the way we've created these things that we think are important or kind of uh, stipulations that we should pass. And Jesus is going beyond that. And we, he's continuing to do that here, and he does it by what thing is this very first verse. He gives us both a command and a concept. He gives us both a command and a concept. And that's his main teaching, I think, of this passage, uh, is, that, is that first verse. And then the rest of it are a couple arguments and a question that help define what he's talking about, that help us understand what, he's, what, what his argument is. And so let's dig in and let's start with the command. And so the command is this. The command is do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about your life. And something to think about is if Jesus is commanding it, maybe it's worth asking, do we do, we do it? Right? And I, I think the reason he's commanding it is because we do it. And so uh, I want to take a little bit of time to, to, to convince you. I think I don't need to, but I, I want to spend just a little time because I think for a lot of my life, I didn't think I was an anxious person or a person that worried about things. Uh, I think about when I was young, my uh, grandmother, uh, my, my dad's mother, uh, she, she raised me in, in many ways. In many ways, she was the one who fed me, who taught me how to cook, how to sew, how to clean, how to uh, do schoolwork, all kinds of different things. We were there before school. We were there after school. A lot of meals. She, she took care of us, and, and she raised me, and especially my younger brother, in many, many ways. And uh, she, as you could perhaps imagine, was a warrior. Uh, she was a person that was constantly worried about us boys. And, of course, that always came out in you know, me going outside, and I'm not wearing a coat. And she's like, hey, wear your coat. Right? Or I'm going outside, and I'm not wearing shoes. They go, oh, don't just walk in the grass with your socks on. Put shoes on. Right, all these things, to as far as uh, where are you going to college? What are you going to eat? Did you eat enough? Right? And of course, that was always the good one. I, was, I never complained about her asking if I'd eaten enough right? because um, she'd always have, have food for me to eat. But I do remember um, getting, old, getting um, more uh, into being a young man and kind of learning more about the Bible and, and learning more about this concepts of sin. And I remember telling my grandmother, like, Grandma, you realize that that all this worrying that you do is actually a sin, right? Which probably wasn't a very nice thing to say in the great words. I, was, I mean, I was right, just so you know. But, um, but uh, you know, we talked about it and, and whatever, and she's like, you know, I, I guess you're right. I guess me worrying is not trusting in God. And, and that's, of course, where this passage is, is going. But I remember it, I'm just like, yeah. And then as I get older, just like, man, parents, they just worry too much. Right? I remember just thinking that as growing up and whatever. And then four years ago, uh, we had Jack, we had our child, and I remember the first night taking Jack home and laying in bed wide awake, 
and just being like, I am in charge. I have to turn this baby into an adult. He's got to stay alive the whole time. He's got to be fed. Like, and and I, began, I began to worry, right? I began to get anxious. Uh, I began to, to wait, how am I possibly going to do this? I remember people asking me, man, what great lessons have you learned? So like, it's like a week into being a dad. And they're like, and they're like what great lessons have you learned? It's like, all I know is I feel an immense burden of responsibility. That is all I know at this point. He's great, but I just feel like I have to do something that I'm unable to do. And so I say that to help give us a little bit of picture of, I think, the worry and anxiety that we, that, that, that we, all, that we all have, I think, in, in many ways. Uh, and and it, it could go on, right? I think in different, different stances, uh, different places in life, wherever you may be, uh, thinking about, and I think this all falls under what Jesus is talking about, being under immense debt, right? It's like, man, I, to, to, to pay off the ranch, I really got to work. I can't not be working, right? Or thinking about, man, to make ends meet, to pay the bills, thinking about someone getting sick, right? Someone's got a doctor's appointment. We don't know what's wrong with them. And just that, that, that fear and that worry and that anxiety of that, where am I going to go to college? I need to go to college so I can get a good job. Where am I going to get a good job? Am I going to have a good enough job? Am I going to make enough money? And it goes on and on and on and on. And these are the things that keep us up at night, right? These are the things that get, make it hard for us to sleep. These are the things that even guide and lead the choices and decisions that we make day to day. And so for Jesus to say, do not be anxious about your life is quite a big command. It is quite a big command. And along with it, He gives us a concept, right? He gives us a concept. And that concept is the last part of that verse. It says, is not life, and it's worded in a question, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I think about what he's saying. He kind of does this really interesting thing. Because he says, he says, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about your life. And he defines what that is. He says, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, uh, know about your body, right? So he says, so he says, don't worry about your life. And your life is what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. And then he says, is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Right? So again, this concept, if he's trying to turn things on, said like, yes, you, your understanding is that you need this and you need that and you have to have this and you have to have that. But I'm telling you, life is more than that. Life is more than that. What you see as life, I'm trying to tell you that there is more to life than that. And again, going back to these ideas of, of anxious and, and worry, the reason it can be so hard to see that is so often the anxiety and that worry, like my grandmother, is paired with love, right? It's, it's related to love and care. We love uh, our family so much. We care for people so much. Uh, but that leads to this distrust, to this worry, to this fear of what is going to happen. Are we going to have enough money? Are we going to have enough food? Uh, are the right decisions going to be made that everyone is going to be secure and safe? Because that's what it comes down to, right? When we're talking about this concept of worrying about having what we need, well, we're really talking about security, right? We're talking about safety. We're talking about feeling like we are okay or knowing that we are going to be okay, that we are stable, that we are secure. That's what we are talking about. And this concept that Jesus is saying is there is more to life than that. 
There was more to life than stability in what this oath offers. And as we get into it, and it's going to be talked about a little bit more next week, is there's a stability that's stronger than anything this oath offers. There's a security that goes beyond anything that this earth can give you, that this world can give us. And so Jesus, to give us some direction and to give us kind of some, some proof points of what he's talking about, he gives us two arguments from nature as well as a question, a question that we can ask ourselves. And all three of these things fall under the last quote, the last thing he says that, that I read. And, it, and again, a question, but a very pointed question, and that is this, oh, you of little faith. Jesus' argument is that worrying, being anxious, anxiety in our hearts comes from a lack of trust, a lack of faith. And, and he's gonna prove that with these, with these arguments here, right? Okay, so he, so he starts first, they're both from nature. He starts first with birds, and I, and I want to read it. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? All right, I love this. Think about this, this concept of, of birds. Right now, birds have to go out, and they have to eat, and they have to get worms. We even have a quote about it, right? Early bird gets the worm. You know, he's got to get up and go and do the work. And whatever, but that's not at all what he's talking about. What he's saying is a bird doesn't stay awake all night and be anxious and worried about what he's going to have because God has always been there to provide. God is always there to provide. So I love how he's connecting this concept of work and anxiety, right? Of work and worry, right? There's this biblical call, and we sell this a lot in Proverbs, this biblical call to work and to work hard and to not be lazy. And there's this biblical call to trust in God with how things are gonna turn out and with what we're gonna get and what, and what sustenance we are gonna have, the providence that God is gonna send us. And we are to look at the birds and we are to see, when you see birds, when you see animals out there and see God takes care of them. He's always taken care of them. And I love that he adds here, and are you not of more value than they? Are you of not more value than they? And, this, and again, he, that's the argument he is making, is look, you're worried about being taken care of. God takes care of birds. Birds are less valuable than you are. How well do you think God's gonna take care of you? That's, that, that, that's his argument, right? And I love that he's using something that we can see every day to help us see that. God has a value for us that is beyond that of other parts of creation, a value that leads to his providence, a value that leads to him giving and caring for us. Now I want to move on. We're going to come back to verse 27, but I want to go ahead and move on to uh, his, his second argument from nature of flowers. And so let me read that for you, starting in verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And so again, he's saying something very similar, but I think there's a few differences that, that, that are helpful, right? So he, he goes even away from 
an animal that actually does go and get worms and eat seeds and all those things to plants, which I don't know if you know, plants can't get up and go get food, right? Plants can't get up. Plant, what, what do plants do? They wait, right? Plants just grow and they need sunlight and they need rain and there's really nothing else they can do about it. They do not, although they do not toil, they do not spin, they sit and they wait for their creator to give them what they need. And I love, I love that. I think that's, that's really helpful. And I also like that he kind of has two directions here. It's not just the idea of need and what you need and this, this needing of, of food and water, but it's also even he compares, him to, compares it to Solomon, right? Solomon, uh, the great king of the Old Testament, who was very, 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 very rich, right? Who, who had, had lots of money, lots of fine clothes, lots of things from all over the world. And Jesus claims here, but yet the flowers of the field, which God made, look much more beautiful than anything he ever had. And just saying the flowers, the plants that rely on God's providence are better off than the richest man who ever lived, right? And just, just that concept, but also that concept of going beyond what you need and even just this value of worrying about what you look like, worrying about uh, your physical appearance. Are you, that's something, even that, you do not need to worry about for it is God who provides what you need. It is God who gives those things. And so he ends with this statement, you of little faith. You of little faith. He, he ends uh, that, that argument with that. And I think that question that he says in the middle really helps us understand that concept of little faith because he says this, and which of you, this is something worth, worth memorizing, I think, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? We look at that and we say, absolutely, you cannot. Yet we spend much of our time doing it. Believing that if I stay up all night worrying, if I just hustle, hustle, hustle with this fear that if I don't get enough done, we're, gonna, we're not going to make it. He says, look, worrying, anxiousness does not add any time to your life. There's actually probably a medical argument for it taking away from your life. But it does not add to your life. You cannot add time to your life. And that's a big thing to think about, isn't it? Because don't we think we can? Don't we think we can add time to our life? But again, this points to the providence of God and how it is God who knows when we live and die. It is God who controls those things. It is God controls whether we have or do not have. Again, going back to the birds, right? The birds, yes, they get to go out and they get to uh, eat worms and eat seeds and all those things, but it is God who gets the credit for their life, for them living, for them staying alive. And it is the same with us. We cannot we cannot, by worrying, make things better. We cannot, by worrying, pay off the debt on the ranch. We cannot, by worrying, heal our spouse's cancer. We cannot, by worrying, pay the bills. We cannot, by worrying, get our children to go to the right colleges. We cannot, by worrying, get the right job. Right? Worrying does not do those things. In fact, what worrying does, and that's where he, he, this last statement Worrying shows who your God is. Worrying shows that your God is not a providential, loving, caring, almighty God. Your God 
is whatever it is you think you don't have that you need, right? Those things, man, if, if this only happened, if I knew for sure that my kids were always gonna be safe, if I knew that, then I would be good. If I, if I knew that I had enough money to pay all my bills all the time, then I would be okay. Then I would be secure. If I, if I just knew that this illness, this sickness was gonna turn out all right, if I, if I knew that, then I would be secure. And I think that's something that we can, that we can really take. And I, I think this, this concept of, of worrying can actually be something that we can use to see what our gods are. To ask that question, when, when, you, when you're having a hard time breathing, when you're staying up at night, when you're stressed out, stop and ask, why? What is it? And ask that question. What, if I, if I had this, I wouldn't be stressed anymore. Ask that question. If I, if, I, if I had this thing, if this was accomplished, I would not feel this way anymore. And that will show you what you're trusting in. That will show you what your God is. Now, next week, uh, Pastor Mike is going to uh, conclude this final concept, and he's going to say a lot of really awesome, thoughtful things that are going to be um, very, very helpful and uplifting and encouraging. What I just said was not very encouraging or uplifting. Uh, but what, So I, what I want to end with is some truths from God's word, um, both from this passage and also from some other passages to encourage you. I think it's easy to see this and to, and to just see that command of do not be anxious and just be like, okay, put my nose to the grindstone and I'm not gonna be anxious, I'm not gonna be anxious, I'm not gonna be anxious. But from this very passage that we read, we see an, another truth, an opposite truth, a better truth that helps us. And that is, that is in the birds and in the plants, right? The birds are of less value than we are. God has a great value in you. And the plants are even more fading than the birds, are even more fading than our bodies. The plants, they fade away season by season and God still takes care of them. We have a God who loves his creation, who values his creation, who fills the needs of his creation we see that in these passages. We see that in these truths. We have a God that fills our needs. We have a God that fills our needs for food, a God that fills our needs for water, a God that fills our needs for, for shelter and security, and a God that even fills our greatest need of salvation, right? God sent his son Christ to die on a cross to fill the biggest need we have, the biggest void in our life, and that is a need for a savior. That is our need for payment for our sins. And he sent Christ to make that payment that those who believe will be saved and will have him. And we serve a God of providence. And so if, if, if you are there, if you are trusting, you believe in Christ as your savior, your call then now is to live for more than your life and to not be anxious about it, not to worry about it. And so what I want to do is I want to give three, three other passages in the scripture that I think are really, really helpful in uh, battling this idea of anxiety. And so the first one is Philippians 4, 6. Philippians 4, 6. Uh, this concept 
I think is really, really helpful. Uh, here's what it says. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so Paul is writing to the Philippians and he says, he says this, right? Do not be anxious about anything. Very similar to the words of Jesus. Do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about anything. And what's his response? How do you respond to that? What do you do instead? What's the opposite? In everything, by, sorry, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Not worrying, not being anxious about our life doesn't mean we don't talk to God about it. It doesn't mean that we don't bring our prayers and our needs and our desires to God. That's what this calls us to do. Everything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In those moments of anxiety, moments of stress, turn to God. Turn to him, talk to him with supplication, right? That means, that means the things, the supplying, right? The things that you need and also thanksgiving. I think it is very hard to be worried when we see and are thankful for the many things and blessings God has given us. Thanksgiving, as we see in many ways, is the opposite of anxiousness, of worry. Thanksgiving shows trust to a God who is more than worthy of our trust. Thanksgiving shows, my God, you have saved me, you've saved me more and more and over again. How often do we get in those dumps and we forget, right? We forget. So often, um, there's a, a saying, I'm, I'm sure she didn't, uh, create it, but uh, my wife has said many times, and it always sticks with me, and that's uh, don't forget in the darkness what you learned in the light, right? All these things that God has done for you, all these things that you've seen him do, all these ways you've seen him work, when that, when that darkness comes, and that worry comes, anxiousness comes, let that come back through thanksgiving. Let the, let the blessings that God has given you come back to your memory by being thankful. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thankful for the, thank you for the many times you have, I have seen you succeed over and over and over and over again in fulfilling my needs. Thank you. The second is also in Philippians, actually also in Philippians, Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Um, the last part of this verse, we, see, we, we talk about a lot. It's a very popular verse, verses 4, 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but I want to read the whole thing because uh, I think it teaches us a really good lesson here. See, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. There's a lot of great stuff there, but what I want us to focus on and look at is that word learned. It's in there twice. Trusting God being faithful is something that we continue to learn. It's something we continue to grow in time by time, moment by moment. It's not something that we're going to do super well all the time, but through trusting in Christ, through trusting in Christ, through looking at Christ who strengthens us, we can overcome it, right? And so I think there's, there's a blessing that we can see in these opportunities. When we, ha- when we have these opportunities to worry, when we have these opportunities to be anxious, these opportunities to be fear, looking those at opportunities to be stronger, right, in our faith, for God to show us his strength, to show us his power, to show his faithfulness, right? When we come to trials, when we come to disparities, that is another opportunity for God to show his faithfulness. That is another opportunity for God to show 
he's working. And we should be thankful for that. Right? I, lo- I love that he says, that I have learned that in whatever situation, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty of hunger abundance. What's that secret? I know that it's Christ who strengthens me. That's where my strength comes from. My strength doesn't come from money. My strength doesn't come from having enough, enough money in, in the bank or for everyone being healthy or uh, knowing what the future is gonna hold. My strength comes from God himself, from Christ himself and his, his, his death on the cross and his resurrection is showing the power that he has. And my final just helpful verse um, that I kind of want to close on here is in 2 Corinthians 1, 30, uh, sorry, 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our, all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with, we, which, sorry, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Have you ever seen the word comfort or comforted so much in a sentence? That's our God. That God that is all powerful, that God of providence, that God of creation is also a God of comfort. He is a God who cares. And look, at, look that, that comfort that we ourselves have which the comfort we we have ourselves that God gave us, the comfort from the cross, the comfort from the death of Jesus Christ, the comfort from the mercies of God over our sins, the comfort of the blessings that he gave us, that same comfort is the comfort that we're supposed to show other people. One of the ways that God helps us provide for our needs, that God helps us to to, uh, make it through these times where we want to be anxious, we want to worry, is by sending his people to encourage us to be around us, to help even supply those physical needs even at times. The God of all comfort comforts us with those who have been comforted. And so one, be comforted by your church. But two, be a church that is comforting. Be a church that sees people's needs, that sees people's anxiousness, that sees people's worries and comes in and gives a big hug and says, how do I help? What can I do? Or sometimes we just need to be quiet and lament with them and mourn with them and be beside them because we know that our God is a merciful and gracious God who comforted us in our greatest need and our need for sin, for the payment of our sins. And so I'm very thankful for Jesus's conclusion here, for his openness, for his uh, statement of, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about your life for it is a God, a great, powerful, loving, caring, comforting God who loves you. That is the God we worship. That is the God that we see in the word and that is the God that we need to trust and rely on day to day. I'm, I'm gonna close in prayer, but after I do that, Amy Horst is gonna come up and she's gonna share uh, her testimony and, and God's providence in her life. So let me pray. Father God, we are thankful for your character. We are thankful for who you are. You are a creating God. You are a providential God. You are a God who sustains his creation, Father, from uh, the crass to the birds um, to the people that you created in your own image, Father. And um, Father, I am so thankful for your work on the cross, for Christ's work on the cross, for 
the death and resurrection of Jesus, Lord, and the great filling of that need, Lord. May we first and foremost be founded in that need and in, in, in that need being restored and that need being met, Father. And from that, may we be a people who are not worried, who are not anxious, who are not uh, worshiping the treasures of this earth, the needs of this earth, but Lord, who value and trust in you, knowing that you can have and will take care of us, Father. May we worship you well for those reasons and in that way. We pray things in your name. Amen.